monsters. We've got a bloody Martian in the shed. Don't look, Mickey. <laughs> what the hell? Hello and welcome to Who Gives a Flux, a Doctor Who podcast. And just when you thought the road to the 14th Doctor was over... Here we are, finally, at the 60th anniversary specials. And in this episode, the name on everybody's lips is, of course, The Meep. (laughs) Today, we are talking about special number one, The Star Beast, and here to help me form my thoughts and feelings into words, friends of the podcast, Stephen and Kira. Hello, both. Hello. Hello. Stephen, how the devil are you? I'm all right, thank you. All the better for uh, having a brand new Doctor Who episode to have watched. Oh, Right. I am wearing a Beep the Meep t-shirt in honour of this occasion. You can't see. Nobody can see. Maybe I'll take a picture and put it on Instagram, but I am. Um, Kira, how the devil are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, Yeah, very excited that we are finally back in like a Doctor Who headspace again with shows coming out and excitement everywhere. So, yeah. It really has been everywhere, hasn't it? This last couple of weeks. It's been hard to escape it. Even Jay was saying, like, it's just literally everywhere, all over his Instagram. He doesn't even follow the bloody thing. <laughs> you know? He says it like it's a bad thing. I just think of it as joyful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you both for joining me today for this chat. And it really is our instant reactions to the Star Beast. I've only seen it once. Uh, I have also watched the Unleashed. So I've still got the official Doctor Who podcast listen to as well as all the unofficial ones and the envision commentary to watch later on this week i think it'll be a nice little treat towards the end of the week can't wait um so this really is instant reactions for me how about you steven is it instant reaction time it is yeah i had all these plans i was gonna i was gonna re-watch it i was gonna listen to the commentary um but no i i haven't had a chance so <laughs> it's it's instant reactions fresh off the bat. fabulous fabulous yeah. kira how are you yeah absolutely the same um plan two failed to so i've only watched it the once and i did watch unleashed but i've not watched any of the other commentaries or podcasts or anything else uh, to go along with so yeah this is you know one viewing so could be a little hazy could be (laughs) hopefully not Hopefully and not. You just um you just um said the title of my autobiography in your little um answer there. It was Plan to and Fail to. That's oh my that, life. Was my, that was the name of mine. <laughs> oh we're so similar, it's ridiculous. <laughs> okay, let's jump in then. Let's go in. I want to know, Stephen, what are your immediate thoughts on the episode? I yeah, I I hadn't been that excited for Doctor Who in a long time. It took me back to like I felt when I was a teenager, like when when David Tennant left, and I wasn't disappointed. I was I was hooked all the way through because we there's been so much anticipation, and the danger with that obviously is that it's easy to be disappointed with, after so much anticipation. But I wasn't really. I I feel maybe towards the end of the episode, I started to get a bit confused about some choices. But overall vibes um, and just, you know, seeing Donna back and David Tennant back, it was just a joy. Oh, that's really nice to hear. Kira, how about you? What are your immediate thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there are some there are some slight kind of niggles and things that didn't quite sit perfectly with me. But I will say that it's the most excited and happy I've been watching Doctor Who mm. for a very, very long time. It's a, it's a, it's a really fun 
Doctor Who buzzy time at the moment. So I'm really excited about what happens next in the next two episodes and obviously beyond. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun and it was Tennant and Tate back on screen again. I mean, it's like one of the best hardest teams there's ever been. So and it, it, it it's and it feels the same, which is great. It's exactly what we want. I was going to say that actually similar. It's strange, isn't it? Because it does it does feel just natural. It felt mm. like I mean, I know that I've just recorded the Road to 14 Doctor series, so I have just re-watched their series and specials and analysed them within an inch of their lives. So it's very kind of, you know, present in my life at the, at the moment, that particular era. But it just did feel natural, easy. It felt like Doctor Who, again, even though what we've just watched and had was Doctor Who, and you know I'm a fan of that era, the 13th Doctor's era and the Chibnall era. But this just felt like Doctor Who again. Not Doctor Who is back. Mm. I really don't want to say that because yeah. I enjoyed the era before. Yeah. But I, I get what people mean when they say that. I completely agree with you because obviously we've had we've had Doctor Who the whole time. I mean, it's not it's not that it's gone away. But I think that when people say Doctor Who's back, I think it's the excitement that goes with it. Mm. And that has been lacking. Even though we've had Doctor Who content, the buzz and excitement and the kind of it being event television has faded since Russell left. Yeah, you know there, you know Moffat and you know Capaldi and everything is amazing, and I love it. But it still didn't have the same hype level, and I think this feels like the hype level, but then it pays off as well, and I think. That's yeah. what people really feel like when they're saying Doctor Who is back. And it's why instinctively you want to say Doctor Who's back because it feels like it's back to being Doctor Who at the height of its popularity uh, rather than being the more niche sci-fi that it's kind of ended up drifting yeah. towards over the last yeah. few years. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. That makes sense. Okay, then. So, Stephen, what for you went well in the Star Beast? I mean, obviously the Meep. The, the Meep is the star. Uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, the the realisation of the creature, like I did watch Unleashed, I saw, I was amazed that it was, I assumed it was all entirely CGI. But Dang. the fact that it was, it was, you know, 90% um, puppeteering and animatronics was incredible. And probably, probably went towards its realism. Um, and Miriam Margulies' performance, absolutely perfect. Um, spot on yeah just literally iconic i need a like plush toy of it um (laughs) in my life i mean if they don't do that it'll be criminal yes and on top of that i mean donna as i said like she's she's absolutely definitely one of my favorite companions and to see the next phase of her story and sort of where she is in her life now and with Sylvia like the relationship with Sylvia was was really nice I thought mm. where you you know obviously in series four and before that she was they had quite a difficult relationship but I feel like maybe the doctor's words to Sylvia about maybe you should tell her that once in a while maybe those had some resonance for Sylvia and they felt like they were much closer in this in this part so that was nice yeah, it was nice I agree Kira, how about you? What do you think went well? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't quite as like excited about the meep as I think everyone else seemed to be. 
that's not me saying I don't like the Meep by any means, but I just didn't really have the. Lots of people got really, really excited about the Meep, like, like, yeah, in, like incontinently excited. <laughs> um, Were you familiar with the comic? I was familiar with the comic in kind of image, but not in reading it. Yeah, same. Yeah, I, same. I never, I never read. I never read that. I have a lot of comics, but unfortunately, Doctor Who was not one of them um, in my in my childhood, and it's not something that I. You know, my dad read a lot of comics too, and I inherited quite a lot, but nothing was Doctor Who related in that, unfortunately. So, yeah. um, not familiar with the comic, but familiar with like the work of like Dave Gibbons a lot as well. So, like, I'm quite, you know, so kind of in in image and and you know, the kind of generic basic storyline, I kind of had an idea of. Okay. But yeah, so I wasn't really like overly ex- as excited as I think everybody else seemed to be about it. I don't know why. I think maybe just because the meat looked quite cute, and I think that kind of puts me off a little bit sometimes. <laughs> There's something psychological think... going on there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm under no illusions. <laughs> I'm under no illusions that I, I push away anything that's kind of nice and cute and fluffy. But um, oh, it yeah, got deep. Stephen, it got deep. It's all right. I've got four cats. I'm working on it. You are. Um, you are. But yeah. So. The Meep, I think, was really good, really well performed. I loved the way that, you know, having watched Unleashed, um, just to echo what Stephen was saying, is that I'm amazed at quite how... I was amazed at how good it looked in the first place, because this is Doctor Who, you know, and it looked amazing. But to see kind of how much of it was... Um, that are kind of was, was practical, but with just the perfect, like, little elements of CGI needed... Mm-hmm. I think absolutely amazing achievement to that. And Miriam Margulies, uh, her voice acting was amazing for that too. So I think the meat worked really well. Sylvia, for me, is probably one of the best side characters in the entire episode. And I, I was thinking, just as you were saying it as well, Stephen, that I loved the way that her relationship with Donna has improved. Yeah. And it really does feel like rather than that very frosty relationship where she's constantly criticizing Donna, is actually something that's kind of it almost like she's appreciated that Donna's grown up. And I think knows what Donna's lost and understood what Donna's lost eventually. I think I and like not only the doctor's words, but I think also Wilf's words where he said that she was better with the doctor. And she tried to kind of downplay it and go, don't say that. But it's true from what you know what we've said that he was like no she was and i think that's really i think maybe the combination of that has actually really hit home with her so it was a really nice development yeah um, so i really 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 liked that really liked her donna is perfect i really liked what i really really liked was that although he kind of played it off a bit casually in um unleash afterwards Tennant's performance as the 14th Doctor was nicely different but still similar to the 10th Doctor. Mm. I really, really liked it because I was kind of expecting... I love David Tennant, but sometimes he does come across very similar in his roles that he does. Yes, yes. So mm. I, I really love him, don't get me wrong, but there is sometimes it's like there is an element of going, are you just being David Tennant? <laughs> yeah. Rather than are you performing yeah. a role? And I say this as a big fan of David Tennant, but in this, I was really, really pleased because I was worried that there was all this talk of the 14th Doctor being a different Doctor, completely different one, and then actually 
what we saw on screen, I really did feel like he was a different Doctor. I felt like he was similar. It was returning to a familiar face, but it did feel like a different persona, which I really liked. See, um, I didn't fully get that on one watch. Okay. I think my my immediate feelings about the 14th Doctor is that it's the 10th Doctor. But I can't... I, I understand what you're saying, because obviously there are differences. There must be some differences. But I didn't get that fully after one watch. I may get it after a next watch. Then after I maybe, the maybe it was, I mean, maybe it was just what I was looking for. I maybe. It did might you, just well, be I was focused you, a bit more on that. Did you see anything specific then that made him stand out more as the 14th than he did as the 10th? I think actually he's a bit less fun-loving than he was. Like he's not quite as giddy. There's a bit of it, but it's not quite as, it's a bit more of a maturity to it. And okay. I think, yeah, that, that's possibly maybe partly down to his, you know, his age as well, perhaps. Oh, yeah, possibly. Um, and the time passing. But I don't know. It's just, it's just a different energy, I guess. There's a different kind of feeling from him that I okay. got, which is really vague and makes me sound like I really have no explanation for it at all. But no, no, you I felt really, it. You obviously I, saw I just, something. There just, and... just feels something different about it. Yeah. And I just feel like the way he delivered things, the way he embodied it, just felt different. It felt a bit more methodical. It didn't feel quite as energetic. Okay. And I think that was the thing that kind of... I think more thoughtful is what I would probably describe it as. Okay. Stephen, did you, do you echo what you I, I think I saw in it what I expected to see from the trailers, really, which was... I think I've said this to you before, Mike, but that like it's it's that same body that he's inhabited, but mm. it comes later, much later in the doctor's life. So yeah. the doctor, the character, has been through a lot since then and has probably matured. Like so it makes sense that, you know, he's 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 still playing the same sort of basic version of the doctor, but it's you know, he the doctor at this point in their life is not gonna be necessarily springing around like the 10th doctor was yeah. i th- i think yeah i just think yeah. it makes sense from that point of view yeah. See, the only the only pieces that, that so obviously this is one time viewing but the only thing the pieces i remember that do make him stand out a bit differently to the 10th doctor is first of all the bit where he's saying he said that he loves donna mm. and obviously we saw him on the beach unable to say that he loved rose back in series two so him being able to just casually just so easily to say oh yeah i, I love donna oh i say that now i was like okay so i get that he's gone through all the all the stuff he's gone through and is finally at the point where he can say he loves somebody um and then the part at the end where he was saying those sort of code words the cipher to unlock the um meta crisis in donna um that was quite like he was quite forlorn when he was saying that and i, mm. I certainly could see yeah. the 12th doctor in him then as he was sort of just you know having to say these words even though he didn't want to that felt quite 12th doctor to me so i get those bits stood out but the rest of the time for me he was just basically the 10th doctor mm. there were parts when his voice to me almost like he sounded a bit posher um oh. almost like maybe like a bit of matt smith in there like do you know, like um, oh, okay. when he was talking to um, Shirley, I felt like there were moments when he sort of went a bit, you know, like that. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because he was never like that before. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just, yeah, we're probably just being fans and like reading far too much into it. <laughs> well, but, they, but they, you know, they, they just, I mean, there has to be a difference between the 14th Doctor and the 10th Doctor. Yeah. A lot has happened in between. Yeah, there is. So, I think there is. you know. 
I hope that as we go through these specials, we see more of that. Yeah, we see, we see more of the the development of the Doctor. I liked as well the bit in the TARDIS at the end when he said about losing Donna before, and it was like, "It killed me! It killed me! It killed me!" Like, yes, that, that was, was really, really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And because I think you actually get the sense of that actually maybe that was the thing that really ended up kind of sending him down the kind of slightly more destructive path mm. at the end mm-hmm. um, for the Tenth Doctor. I think actually, it kind of in a way, it did kind of kill him. Mm. Which is what is kind of, and I feel like I feel like you see, you can see in him, the weight of what happened to Donna. I think you get distracted by it because you've got these different bodies in between, but I think mm-hmm. revisiting, you know, the tenth Doctor's body for his fourteenth incarnation, I think you probably that's the first time you kind of actually can really process that properly. Yes, with yes, Donna. I agree. But like, I agree. I'm, but you kind of get the sense that. In all the time since Donna, there probably has been a lot of that weighing, especially when you consider things like um, Silence in the Library, when River mentions knowing of Donna. Mm. Yes. And you think, well, there's probably not been that much time for the Tenth Doctor to have talked to her about it. So you'd imagine that maybe Matt Smith's Doctor probably did, or possibly Peter Capaldi, Mm. um, you know, when they were on, you know, on their very very long honeymoon and uh, that's kind of nice though it kind of nice that donna has a legacy beyond just being in david tennant's era yeah Yeah, definitely interesting so kira then do you have any favorite moments do you know what i do i have two real key moments that i really really enjoyed so one is i really liked and it seems like such a kind of weird scene to pick especially given you know, the real world situation around it. But what I really liked was when the Doctor gets quite kind of slightly dramatic and kind of emotional about Wilf dying, except he's not dead. Oh. And I know that obviously Bernard Cribbins has passed away and it's obviously, that's incredibly sad. But what I really liked in the, the in-universe part of that was him kind of getting very emotional about Wilf dying and it's all a bit dramatic. And then it's like, it gets undercut by the nobles, which they're very good at doing, and just going, he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> he's not dead, you dimbo. It's a bit like in, um, you know, with the Poison Sky, where yes. he's doing his, where the doctor's doing his, like, oh, I was going to take you to so many places. Oh, yes. Very, very dramatic and very emotional and kind of like, kind of a bit speechy. And then Don, and it's like, oh, no, you're just going to home to say hi. <laughs> and it's very much like, and, I, what I really like is that the nobles always seem to have a way of undercutting and stripping away the Doctor's kind of bravado and mystique yes. that he kind of yes. portrays that works with other people, but it just doesn't work with the nobles. They just seem very good at seeing through it. And I really like that because it's quite nice that you've got the the whole family doing that as well. Yeah, not just basically. Donna. So it's just like a family trait. They're just very good at seeing through the, the bullshit, you know? Yes, I like um, that. So that was one moment. My other moment is probably I guess it just has to be the reveal of the TARDIS interior I just yeah I just I thought it was just it just looks stunning it looks so so good it's so Um, big it's enormous and it shouldn't be surprising (laughs) (laughs) but it's enormous but we're all amazed at how enormous it is and it just feels so expansive and like it could just go on forever and i love it all of the gangways all of the you know and it felt like a really perfect evolution of the kind of ninth and tenth doctors 
TARDIS in style, but just less grungy and mechanical and manual and more sci-fi. It just felt like it was a, a sci-fi version, you know, a really futuristic kind of Star Trek-y looking sci-fi. And it just, yeah, it just felt like a really kind of good natural evolution to Tennant's previous TARDIS, but also feels very much like a, a classic TARDIS too. So It does feel very classic. What mm. do you think about the TARDIS, Stephen? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm sold yet. I like the TARDIS to feel a bit more sort of clunky and I kind of like the grunge. Um, yeah, and I don't dislike I, the grunge. I just, yeah, I just liked the evolution. Yeah, mm. I also like it to feel because it is his home as well, and so I like the sort of homely touches like the Twelfth Doctor had with the bookcases and stuff. Yes, um, yes. this is very sort of clinical, but it does really hark back to the original, which is good. Um, was the, was the coat was the hat stand there? Was that there this time? Or have they oh, I didn't see. I, didn't done away with I, remember, I remember him chucking his coat over a railing, a bit like yes. he used to do. Yeah, yes. I mean, he was used um, to do that anyway, but he did yeah. have the hat stand. But if it's not there anymore, that's a that's a crime. That needs yeah. to Maybe he needs to renovate it a bit, bring in some some homely touches. Just put up some nice wall art. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a nice yeah. rug. Get a scented I can candle. See, I, scented I can... candles. <laughs> he could buy them from you, Mike. Oh, that's, what a shameless <laughs> plug, Should we, should we make a plug? <laughs> <laughs> there with everyone. I'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love the round things. What who are the round love, things? Who, who, who doesn't love a round thing, honestly? But I love that they can change colour. Yeah, I can really yeah. see Shooty um, like parting it up in there. Like... It's a disco TARDIS. Exactly. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh my God! Please, can we have disco TARDIS? Disco TARDIS. Can we have roller disco TARDIS? Because that would be even better. Because oh. I bet those gangways would be amazing on roller skates. I am here for that. I do hope though that they can do like moody lighting and stuff in there with all that space and white and brightness. That's the other thing. That TARDIS is... is good when it's like that, isn't it? When it's a bit it is. It is. I know there's a lot of criticism out there about the 13th Doctor's TARDIS. However, the lighting was always so beautiful and stunning and looked lovely on screen and warm tones and moody. And I, I do want them to be able to do that as well. I think it was a nice, like, I think it was a really nice design. However, I just felt like it was just way too dark. Mm. I felt just like I needed a head torch. Whereas, like, <laughs> and there was a bit of that. There's a bit of that in, like, in Chris Eccleston's period. Yes. Where they did yes. a lot of the lighting where it was very turquoise lighting. And it was always a bit yes. too dingy. When it started to brighten up and be a bit more kind of golden colored. Same TARDIS, completely different feel to it. And I yeah. think they'll do the same with this one. I think, depending on the the mood and whoever's shooting it, I think obviously it will have a different look depending on yeah, the lighting. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Because they've got the, the potential to do anything with that lighting now. So that's really, yeah. really interesting. Plus it makes coffee now. It has a coffee machine. <laughs> I was sold a coffee machine. I love that. Coffee machine, but instant as well. Like really instant. It wouldn't even didn't even have time to make it properly. Yeah. It doesn't need it, time. No, it's no, a TARDIS. Exactly. It exists in its own <laughs> dimensions. So of course it, exactly. made it, it made it five minutes ago. Exactly, I love that. It's I a liability, it. though. Why? As we oh, saw, well, apparently, or is it just Don as a liability? Well, yeah, <laughs> I think Don as a liability more than yeah. anybody else. Everybody else would be fine, but do you know what? Actually, that was a really, really beautiful moment. That is one thing I will just add to my little list of little good moments. Is just the way it was acted with Donna tipping over the coffee because it just seemed to be—I don't know—there was just something perfect about it. You could see it coming. Mm. 
it was a it was a classic slapstick comedy moment, and you could see it coming. But somehow, it was really, really funny. And it I think was. because I think because then Donna just shouts afterwards, and I think Donna <laughs> shouting is always funny as well. It is. How about you then, Stephen? Any favourite moments? Yeah, um, there was a moment that I remember my 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 mouth just opening and staying open, and it was the bit when. So all episode, he's been trying to avoid sort of letting her remember anything. And he's been avoiding using his name. And that moment when Donna suddenly says something, she, I can't remember what she says, but she calls him doctor, the doctor. And like, Sylvia's just like, she said doctor. And, it, and my jaw just hit the floor and I was like, oh my God, like there's something there, do you know? I don't know why that moment just spoke to me, but it was just mm. so cool. I got like no, I'm, chills. I'm literally so glad you said that because that was what that was the moment that stood out for me as well. I was sort of sitting there enjoying myself and then kind of went, Oh my god, she's remembering. Oh <laughs> yeah. my god, here we go. <laughs> it was literally like, Oh, what what's gonna happen? Oh, that was it was really kind of chilling. And I suddenly got very worried for her. Yes. Even though I know she's in the rest of the specials. Yeah. How does he do that? How do these writers do that? Where we know so much already going into these and yet it, he made me worried for her safety. Mm. It's the trick of writing a really thorough character that has lots of layers and emotional investment. And mm. I think that's one thing, you know, some of the side characters in this special weren't, for me, giving a lot of that layered Russell T. Davis character writing, which I really love. Okay. Um, but I think I think that's where I think that's what his greatest skill is with particularly Donna, because I've always loved the characterization of Donna anyway. I mean, so many of us do. And I think that's what probably really I think that's what I think that's what keeps us so hooked. We know yeah. that Donna's going to make it through this episode, but there's something, you know, we still feel for her because she's Donna and we love her. She's an amazing character. She has just so much depth to her. She has so much depth to her, even when she doesn't have that much depth to her. You know, without her, yeah. without her history of with the Doctor and you know everything. You know, even when she's the kind of the one who misses everything and the one who doesn't have, you know, as Lance put it in Runaway Bride, the kind of that you know the most exciting thing is a new flavor Pringle. You know, even when she doesn't have that, even that still feels. Just, I don't know. You just. She still feels real. She still feels real. She feels like a real person. And I think that's mm. what's so mm. what's so amazing about it. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So then I have another question. What do you think could have been better? Let's go to Stephen first. I I mentioned earlier that I, I did find sort of towards the end of the episode. So I'll obviously I'll bring up the, the big thing, which is um once Rose and Donna sort of embraced their time lordiness um, and then they let it go and there was that whole thing about we let it go and a male presenting time lord could never think of that or something and I was just a bit confused by what that was supposed to mean <laughs> if that makes yes. sense. Yes, no I'm right there with you. What do we think that meant? Like what What, what was the message there? I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm unsure. I'm not I, I sure. Mean... I'm, I'm not sure if there is a canonical explanation for that. It feels like, it feels like a kind of out of universe thing to say, 
rather than an in-universe explanation of the events. Okay. Um, so in-universe, what, what they're saying is because Donna's had child, the Metacrisis has been split across her and her child. I mm-hmm. think so, yes. And because it's split, it's no longer immediately life-threatening, but it still has to be dealt with. And he's saying because they are presenting as female, they can let the Metacrisis go intentionally out of their bodies because they have time and less of it to deal with. That's what I took from it. Yeah, that makes that I makes think sense. that's the most... I think that's... Well, I... I, th- I think that is probably the best way of describing it. I still don't know if it makes sense. Yeah, I was being generous there. <laughs> I, don't know if, I wouldn't say it makes sense. I still think that sounds, it's, it feels like, I feel like that's the explanation they want us to take from it. Yeah. Okay. But I don't feel like that's a very good explanation. Not from okay. you, Mike, but from just yeah. like generally yeah. from Doctor Who, I feel like it's a quite poor explanation. I mean, it's succinct. It gets the job done. We know that Donna has to be able to remember her life with a doctor in order to go through the specials, and it's addressed. I did enjoy the Doctor Donna coming back for that brief time that she had to be the doctor on the top of that spaceship. Um, but then that's where I thought, oh, so because I, yeah, I just, mm, this is where I'm indifferent as well. I'm not sure. Yeah, this is where I want to rewatch really, and um, yes, yeah, come to another. And, I'm yeah. hoping the feeling about it will override any clunkiness in mm. plot, mm. in repeat viewing. Anything else you think could be better, Kira? I mean, I I mentioned uh, some of the side characters. Shirley um, is this kind of unit liaison. I don't know. It feels like the audience is supposed to know who she is really well. And I think sometimes that can work, but for me it didn't this time. Yeah, I just didn't, I just didn't quite kind of connect with her. And really. so we, I think we're supposed to. She's meant to play a bigger part, isn't she, in the in the story going forward? I think I'm she's sure, in yeah, which I'm multiple sure. Stories. I assume that's what's going to happen. But I think from just from watching last night's episode, I was just a little bit like, I don't know who you are yet, mm. but I feel okay. like I'm supposed to really, really like you, and you're really cool. But I don't really, I don't know you yet. But it was kind of presented as if I should know. Um, so yeah. I feel I, I don't know if that's just a bit of like a slight misjudge on like the audience reaction, okay. or whether I'm just not getting it. I don't know. Maybe it's that. Probably it's that. But I just I just feel like I just felt like yeah, it didn't feel like she was as well drawn as she was being. Pre- it was almost like we were being told she was a well drawn character, but didn't really see much of her. You know? Yeah, I'm with you there. Okay, and I just haven't okay. quite like I have just haven't seen enough of you yet to really get behind and on board with you yeah. yet. I really, really found the I, I found the Metacrisis castaway thing quite odd. And there were a few kind of lines in it that just felt a little bit contrived. I think when you watch when you watched Unleashed as well, obviously they talked about uh, Yasmin Finney. Um, being in Doctor Who and representation, and there was a lot of talk about represent not you know representation, but not for representation's sake. But there were a few lines in it that felt like that's exactly what that was. I think okay. particularly because of the kind of discussion about you know binary and male and female uh, elements in there, and I found it like a little bit. 
like it didn't quite in the context of the show's story and plot i was trying i was really struggling to kind of make sense of it like the message was great but i just couldn't yes. quite marry that with what was going on and i felt like it was a bit forced into it now yasmin finney's character overall as rose introduction the kind of the you know the little snippets of the bullying the little conversations between donna and sylvia all excellent character building really got behind that i found i found the the performance quite frustrating i kind of felt that there was something off about it It didn't quite connect with the other characters but in terms of character building i thought was really really good Mm. until there were some of these kind of elements that were a bit that felt like they were a bit contrived lines about identity politics and it kind of felt a little bit like it's not feeling very organic in the context of the show and trying to make really well-drawn characters that are all very organically written generally speaking that one had elements of it that were really great particularly in the setup when we first meet rose but then after we've seen her for a bit it just sort of tends it seems to tail off a little bit and get a little bit too contrived is all Mm. i can really say about that and i think that's what i think that kind of it took me out of it a little bit which was a bit disappointing i think so yeah a couple of side characters that didn't quite work as well for me as i think they should have done i think shirley will probably learn more about and that's actually you know great and I'm assuming we'll see more of Rose. I'm guessing. I can't imagine we won't. I'm guessing we'll see her in other in the other specials too. I think we um, should, or at least we'll see her maybe in the final one, even if we don't see yeah. her in the next one. Yeah. I get the feeling that the next one's going to be kind of just Doctor and Donna. Yeah, which I think is really good. But um, I imagine we'll see the rest of the Noble Family again in the final part. Yeah, which I think will be good, and I hope that that does expand on it. But yeah, there's just a little bit of that just didn't quite gel for me in terms of feeling like a real character belonging in that story it's interesting as well because obviously what donna has gone through in feeling like she's lost something or feeling like she's not completely herself is also what rose has gone through yeah and i quite like that element of it the parallels are great yes yeah but i i get what you mean there is something that it didn't quite click and I yeah. just maybe we need some more time with her. Maybe I think so. More, it might know. have been just maybe also a little bit too much too soon in the sense of like trying to kind of put a whole character arc for Rose True. in one episode. Plus, mm-hmm. she's essentially also a plot device in order to save Donna. Exactly, which is also something I'm not so keen on because it doesn't yeah. feel organic. It feels yeah. like it's forced in and mm. that doesn't help the situation because I think it makes it feel like we're trying to force her to be a really integral part of, you know, the the, the plot, mm. but also trying to create a whole arc in a single episode. I think it's too hard to do. Mm. So I think, yeah, I think there's bits of it that are just not quite. It had to be more time. I think maybe it would have been. Like I say at the beginning, Rose as a character I thought was great. She's yes. she she. she you know, we get her backstory really organically. You don't have to, you know, tell everything 
Yes. I think by the end, what starts to happen is we start getting told things rather than shown it. And I think that's maybe for me where it's falling apart. Mm. And also, I feel like for me, I loved all the characterization at the beginning of the story and the slow mm. build and the learning about who these people are. And yeah. at the end of the episode, there wasn't a lot of time then with them in, in, in terms of a conclusion. No. That perhaps we could have had just a little bit longer at the end with them to understand the kind of ramifications of what's just happened and what that means for Rose. Yeah. Rather than more just kind of standing there being all heroic, being like, haha, we've done it and now we are better because the doctor has come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that, that, and maybe we need a bit more time in a few yeah, moments at I the agree. end, perhaps. Mm. Interesting. Okay, then let's do final thoughts about the Star Beast. Stephen, final thoughts. Brilliant overall. Yeah, I'm just I'm just really happy um, that it, it it's back and it's brilliant. I also I thought it was funny that um, we were saying earlier about uh, seeing Unleashed and how uh, the Meep was done practically. Um, I <laughs> I was watching it and like they were they kept showing bits of of the filming and like you could see the the TV cameras and and the actors and and the Meep was there and I was watching it and I kept thinking oh. If they CGI'd the meep into this, like, you know, why, <laughs> I was like, why? Because I didn't realize that it was it was practical. Yes. And I kept thinking, why? Why is the meep actually there? Surely it shouldn't be there. And then I realized, and yeah, so yeah, I'm an idiot. But that was. <laughs> I love that. Look at the extent they've gone to the unleashed. Unleashed has got a CGI budget. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> that Disney money. That Disney money. Yeah. yeah. Surprised they, they should have had like a little interview, like a. Um, with the meep off to the side, like you know, like the real meep. Oh, <laughs> that would have been hilarious, and uh, that I would have, I'd have enjoyed that. I'd yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah, nice, Kira. Any final thoughts about the Star Beast? Um, Star Beast, I thought was really fun. It felt like a, a return to form, and I just thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing, despite my niggles with things. Because, but then you know, all episodes have their niggles and a lot of episodes in rusty davis's previous era still had those niggles um but overall i feel like i really trust the way that it's going and the direction that it's been being taken in so i am fully along for the ride so yeah really enjoying it one thing i will say is that you know as we've just said about the disney money can the meep start killing off mickey mouse is that thing we can make happen because we want this to happen. Is that I what will, I, well, I want it to happen. Right, okay. I, <laughs> I just, want to, quite, I just like, want to see it. It doesn't I, have to I, you know, be long-term. I'd, what I would like to see, like, the meep and the pating meeting <laughs> and seeing what happens. Because people hate the pating. I don't hate the pating. <laughs> I quite like the pating. And I quite like the meep. So I think that would be quite a hilarious um, exchange. That's uh, the next sit- big sitcom, like the, the next odd couple, Meep and the Pating. You know, like the um, uh, Marvel have got a little Groot series. Um, yeah, yeah, like yeah. little shorts. I am Groot, uh, that, yeah. That, that, that would be hilarious. I'd enjoy, I'd enjoy I the Meep. Meep. I am Meep, meeting the Pating. <laughs> I would like to see that, please. <laughs> let's, so, write, uh, let's write a list of shows that they should Yes, do. let's do this. And I am up for that. Yes. So I know that we know next to nothing about next week's episode, Mm -hmm. but I still want to ask the question, what are you looking forward to about the Wild Blue Yonder? Stephen? Like uh, we were saying, like it it looks like it is just going to be pretty much the Doctor and Donna, very sort of self-contained. 
and the fact that you know i loved i loved the star beast and you know seeing them re- reunited and meeting again but the fact that we've got we've had that now that's out of the way and now we're hitting the ground running with a story where they're together i think you know we've got a whole hour of the special there to, to for loads to happen i think um and it looks really creepy and the fact that just we know basically nothing about it which is crazy because we knew we knew quite a lot about the star beast from the comic and the trailers yeah. we know yeah. a bit about the giggle but we know nothing about this one and i think that's just it's like a blank canvas it's exciting yeah kira how about you yeah similar thoughts really um i actually really like the fact that we know nothing i think that's really exciting i think that's really uh we we get so many kind of teases and spoilers for things that it's really nice to have something that we absolutely have no idea whatsoever about what it's containing but yeah the fact that it's going to be a Doctor and Donna, I presume it's going to be a Doctor and Donna pretty much only, you know, heroic cast. Um, I think it's going to be really exciting. I'm really looking forward to just having the Doctor and Donna back as going on going on an adventure, you know. So I'm really looking forward to that. Amazing. I'm also looking forward to seeing Carol Ann Ford, uh, William yeah, Hartnell brought back yeah. uh, via yeah. AI. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to see the Rani. Obviously, the yeah. Rani's coming back, obviously. <laughs> Why and... is everyone so obsessed about the Rani? <laughs> Why is everyone so obsessed about the Rani, honestly? That is a whole other episode of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it now. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm looking forward as well to the 12th Doctor being in it, the 11th Doctor being in it. You know, all of that that's been online. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Christopher Eccleston, uh, archive footage. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, god. You know, Christopher Eccleston wasn't it? I would, I would, I would, I would, um, I would wet myself if Christopher Eccleston came in it. Oh, I know, yeah. That Never gonna I... happen. No, I know, I know. So I shall remain dry and happy. I did, <laughs> I did talk about incontinence earlier on with people being excited about, you know, the meep. So you're yeah. quite incontinent about Christopher Eccleston. Imagine if he just walked in through the doors on the screen, um, a la Paul McGann in that little short that he did, I just, would go just wild. Yeah. Piss. <laughs> just piss. Just piss. <laughs> and on that note, thank you so much, guys, for joining me on this chat today. <laughs> I will obviously link to your social medias in the show notes that people can follow you and continue the conversation, not necessarily water sports related, but of course. <laughs> so, listeners, then, what do you think about the Star Beast? I want to know. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at WhoFluxPod. Thank you very much for listening. Please like and subscribe. And if you'd be so kind to drop me a cheeky little review, that would be fabulous and it will help other listeners to find the podcast. And of course, if you want to be a part of the conversation or if you want to join me for an episode, get in touch with the links in the show notes. Stephen, please say your goodbyes. Thank you so much for having me. Um, It's been a delight to talk about the most exciting event of the year. Bye. I love... <laughs> love that love that Kira please say your goodbyes I was literally going to say thanks for having me on bye but Stephen's kind of done a better goodbye than me so. <laughs> <laughs> the comic timing was perfect that yeah. was brilliant <laughs> 
Oh, amazing. Oh, thanks for listening, guys. I will catch you on the next episode. Who gives a flux? Thank you.